Safer Chemicals Podcast. Sound science on harmful chemicals. Welcome to the Safer Chemicals Podcast. I am your host, Baby Okinemi. In this episode, we'll take a journey through the chemical universe. If you imagine chemicals as being stars in the sky, together they form a universe of substances, some closer to each other and others further apart, with different properties and hazard profiles. To help map this universe and speed up the identification of chemicals that need to be regulated, ECHA now assesses them in groups. This means that we put structurally similar chemicals together with the assumption that they are likely to have a similar hazard and can be used in a similar way. By assessing substances in groups, the risk management of chemicals becomes more efficient and making the assessments public brings more predictability for companies. It also helps them to avoid replacing a harmful chemical with another that could be equally harmful but has not yet made it to the authorities' radar. Now we have published the outcomes of the assessments for the first groups of chemicals. My guest in this episode is Christelle Tissier, who works as a regulatory officer in ECHA's prioritization unit. Welcome, Christelle, and thank you for joining us. Thanks, Pivy, also for inviting me today. Could you tell us about your role in ECHA's grouping work? So with other colleagues, actually, we are um, coordinating all uh, the group work. And uh, recently also we decided to have everything published. So as part of this work, I follow uh, almost all assessments. And also I have ensured that we can publish those um, this year. So to start with, um, could you tell us how do you assess the regulatory needs of substances and what is the basis for your assessment? So our starting point is a group uh, that is based on structural similarity of uh, substances. And from there, uh, we look at all information available, in particular in our uh, rich registration database, uh, being on the key hazard of those substances, any information on uses uh, and potential for exposure that we can find also. Usually it's really based on what we have in the registration information. Sometimes we can go outside, but really uh, this is our starting point. Then we would look also whether some of the substances have already some measures that are in place. For instance, if some would have a classification already, or whether actually also they would fall under some other legislation, such as, for instance, biocide, cosmetic. So this is information we see from the dossier. Then, because we look at uh, structurally similar substances and we look also how they are used, we have some insight into potential substitution, but at a very high level. So it's not like we do a full analysis of that, but just to get a feeling whether some substances could replace others just based on their structure. From there, uh, we will actually look and try to understand whether those substances would need additional uh, regulatory action. And what kind of regulatory action are we talking about? Can you give some examples? That could be uh, whether they need some more uh, data generation. Let's say we see that there is not enough hazard information, then we will flag this. Or whether actually they, they would already need um, harmonized classification, so some more risk management measures. It can go as far as restriction and authorization. 
Uh, one thing maybe to note is that this um, assessment will be iterative. So we do a first assessment based on what we see in the dossier, also based on information that is available. We make assumption, also sometimes on the hazard because we don't have yet enough information. And we decide based on that what we would do actually from a risk management. So let's say I have substances where we see, okay, maybe it could be potential reprotoxic, but I don't have yet enough information. We would still, based on the uses, try to understand if the substance are later on confirmed uh, as being reprotoxic, what would I do based on the uses? Would, I've, would I, for instance, restrict the uses of such, such substances or would I simply do nothing? Uh, the aim is also to flag action for member states in particular, for instance, for harmonized classification or restriction uh, or any other regulatory measures. So over the last two and a half years, uh, you have looked at more than 3,000 substances in 120 groups. And now the first assessments of regulatory needs for groups of chemicals are published. Um, if we talk about a little bit about the outcomes of the assessment, what kind of measures are you suggesting for these groups of substances? So quite uh, diverse me measures, but uh, as said, as it is an iterative assessment and, and we started uh, from what we have in our hands, uh, what we have seen is that for most of those substances for now, the really first action will be generation of hazard data. And for that, we have uh, some tools. Compliance check is clearly the first one. And then for some substances, we would have some substance evaluation also uh, identified, but really for Many substances, at least the first step, uh, will be the generation of hazard data to get some confirmation of those hazards, uh, because it's uh, now we are more at the level of this potential. And of course, before going to any regulatory measures, we need some more clarification of that. Uh, as said, we still, uh, based on that, look forward, because we want to, to anticipate, we want to be able uh, once we have this clarity on the hazard, to be able to act as soon as possible. So even though the first step will be uh, generation of data, we will still flag that if hazard confirmed, next step will be uh, restriction, for instance. Some substances, we will also conclude that they don't need action. Uh, so we have a few of these uh, lower hazard type of substances where we actually don't see uh, much hazard for those. So we don't flag the need for uh, EU action. Uh, for some, we will still, uh, as a foreseen really uh, last action, say no need for action, but first let's clarify the hazard. There will be one group published in this first batch, which is uh, one of those Finally, I think we have flagged few groups or substances uh, for which we can flag already direct regulatory risk management measures. In most cases, uh, harmonized classification and labeling. So we have also direct action. So would it be correct to assume that when you assess a group, you also conclude on the same action for all the substances in that group? This is uh, very rare. Uh, so you will see that sometimes it has been possible to conclude with the same action on the group, let's say harmonized classification for this full group of substances. But in most cases, we have either subgroups, which I think is most frequent, or even we identify action at uh, substance level. How, how does this happen? Why is it not the whole group? Why is it, for example, just an individual substance? 
uh, we build the group around structural similarity only. So it, it's really based on the chemical structure. At that point, we don't look much yet at this uh, similarity in hazard. Of course, the two are linked, but there are many different factors that make uh, similarity of hazard, uh, not only the, the chemical structure as we do it. Uh, we decided to go for this grouping mainly to pull substances together and to speed up our assessment. But we knew from the beginning that what we do is not a similarity of hazard purely. So that's something we expected and we wanted simply to speed up the work by doing that. Then maybe go into some, some examples. So, so now that you have, uh, have published the first groups of substances, could you give some examples of um, where grouping has now led to proposing regulatory action and are there any substances there that have been already under public debate recently? Of course, in all the groups, I guess a lot of the, the substance that uh, the general public will see will not tell them much, but we have also looked at uh, quite well-known substances. Uh, one is, for instance, uh, the phthalates that will be published in this first uh, batch, where we have actually tried to group all the phthalates uh, we know based on uh, chemical structure, at least those that we have in our uh, database. And we have assessed uh, this full group of substances. Uh, you will see that actually we have split in two. But uh, in total, we have really looked at uh, all of them. And uh, what we see is that for some of those substances, we uh, have identified the need for direct risk management measures, looking at uh, following up on existing measures for already uh, well-known other phthalates. Uh, so for instance, looking at presence of those in articles, which may tell also people uh, a lot about the concern. Uh, so we have identified this action, but we have also uh, some phthalates where actually we are really in this situation where we don't have enough information, in particular to confirm the hazard. And we have also identified those and we have already uh, listed them as needed, for instance, compliance check or substance evaluation. So the hazard will be clarified and we will know whether or not we uh, also impose some risk management measures on them. And of course, we have a few uh, which may also be of interest, where we say no need for action now. So um, hopefully this brings some more clarity also on this wider group of substances. So what information is now then available and where can we find it? The best entry for you to find it is uh, via the, the PACT, which is the Public Activities Coordination Tool, which lists all the activities that are ongoing on substances. And it provides you an overview of all processes. And this you can find on ECA's website? Yes. From there, you can see all substances for which you have an assessment of regulatory needs. Uh, so in the past, uh, this was under uh, regulatory management option analysis, RMOA. And now we have replaced this with this assessment of regulatory needs list, which will also cover actually the RMOAs done by member states uh, before, and that will continue to cover some RMOAs as well. So this is where you can find at least the list, uh, and then you can always go to the details to have more information on those substances. So in the pact, you can find information on individual substances, but is there a way to get an overview of the assessments for all substances in a given group? I would recommend to go in directly to the list of assessment of regulatory needs, which is the list of all those assessments and where you see only this information. So you will get a bit more information. For instance, 
what we foresee as immediate next action being compliance check and what we foresee as last action, uh, for instance, restriction. So there you can find more information. You have also the link to the report. You will have also the group name, but you really need to go to these details uh, because we cannot put all this, unfortunately, in this first page. For each substances, uh, you will have the report and each substance in a group will have, of course, the same report. So if you want to have access to the report as such, you just need to go to one entry, but at least you get the overview of all substances being covered. And that's the way also for you to know all substances within a group, because we won't publish a list of groups uh, as such. And what about then when, when new information is coming, for example? How do you keep this, uh, this information up to date? Yes, so uh, that's back to this iterative assessment. So we will always publish once we have the first iteration of those reports. And of course, every time we will have some new information, in particular on the uh, generation of data, because it may actually change the outcome of our assessment, we will revisit and then publish uh, again. So every time we have some changes that may actually change the outcome of our report, we will update those also on the website. So for example, if there's a company who is interested in knowing what's happening with their substance, they should be uh, continuously following up this information on the website. Yes, this is really something we would recommend in any case that a company uh, keeps following what we are doing uh, on those assessment of regulatory needs as they do for any other activities mm. on their substances. Uh, and really uh, see what we recommend also in there and uh, understand how much they can already act. For instance, sometimes uh, at those early stages of assessment, we really need to take some assumption. Uh, we try to reflect on uncertainties, but we base it on the information we have in the registration dossier. Uh, and for instance, on the uses, sometimes we need to, to uh, make approximation and simply base it on what we have. Uh, and we know that in some cases, this is not necessarily the most up-to-date information mm. we have on the uses. So we would definitely recommend to have a, uh, a look at that uh, from the company perspective, because they have time, most probably also before the next iteration, to actually update their dossier so that before we do this revision, uh, they can update uh, the registration. We would actually favor any update of registration dossier rather than receiving also ad hoc type of information. I think that would be better. How is this, uh, this information then useful? How, how do you expect um, companies or, or organizations or people to use it? We really wanted to increase transparency for everyone in, interested in chemicals to see what we foresee as action on those substances. And, and we will continue to do that for all substances that are registered under REACH. I think our main message are really towards companies because they can act on those substances. They should really look at what we have been doing, try to understand whether they can update their registration dossier so that any uh, revision of the report is actually based on uh, actual data. But also, we do look at structural similar substances. Uh, we look at their uses. So we have some ideas on potential uh, substitution, even though we don't do a full analysis of that. But of course, companies, they know which alternative substances they are using uh, or they would like potentially to use. So it's also very good for them to have a look because they can get also some insight what can happen to those substances in the future. And maybe it helps them also 
avoiding this regrettable substitution. I really recommend uh, industry to have a look at what we publish. Try to act in advance before actually the substance enters formal regulatory processes. What if there is a company now who is, who is having a look at the list and noticing that all those known alternatives for their substance are in the same group and there are already some uh, regulatory risk management proposed? I think this is very hard to, to say. I mean, it's back to their own strategy of handling chemicals. But if really we, we have in a full group that, for instance, we flag all the, the substances as being potentially uh, reprotoxic, they really have to think twice before using those substances for consumer application or even to some professional application. So they will have quite some tips also in, in the, the report we have developed. Uh, because we explain also uh, what would be the impact of such classification. So they have really good tips what not to do potentially, uh, and maybe to look for some other alternative than any substances being hazardous in, in that group. So a little bit more predictability maybe for, yes. for companies. Thank you very much, Christelle. This was a very interesting discussion. I'm um, happy that you, uh, you had some time to join us today and um, we'll continue following up this topic. Thanks a lot also for having me today. Before we conclude, let's summarize the most important tips we got from Christelle. If you have registered chemicals under reach, go and check if your substance has been assessed and what kind of regulatory actions are planned. A good place to start is the Public Activities Coordination Tool that you can find at eka.europa.eu forward slash pact. The outcomes of the assessments can give you valuable information when you are considering, for example, how to replace harmful chemicals. And last but not least, make sure to keep your registration data up to date so that the authorities can base their work on the most accurate information. I'd like to thank you, our listeners, for tuning in. Safer Chemicals Podcast. Sound science on harmful chemicals.